No, I mean, it's just like politics in general tends to attract the weirdest people in the world because who would want to do that? Most people have other things to do or other interests. Totally. Or, and I mean, I think it, I don't even know if it attracts those kinds of people so much as those people are attracted to it and scare away all the regular people. So what yeah. you're left with is just highly concentrated like freaks who yeah. are just like, going at each other all the time. It's like and everyone's got a pet issue that is their issue and that um you know and then it's yeah it's it's a giant um giant fight of all of the people that are um you know wanting wanting to be heard the most yeah to be the top of the protest cage it's like a microcosm of any kind of social circle you'd have yeah Um, but like the worst you could ever what i've what i've noticed is that it's it's like that but then it, it gets like really concentrated because it all revolves around like a a time cycle because because of whatever election you're going for so it's like it's like all that kind of like drama like packed into just this tightened heightened like time schedule of like we got to do this one thing you get a lot of people who are very passionate about very pet projects and they don't have money and they don't have a lot of time and they have other issues going on. So it's just like a recipe for a lot of drama. Yeah, and, so. and you're right. And like the personality <laughs> types that that kind of draws. The type of people who don't mind being like kind of the center of attention and just as cutthroat as possible. And Yeah, like everyone thinks it's the West Wing or something. <laughs> yeah. And I don't uh, know if it's like a generational thing, but yeah, people like, like I said, it scares away the normal people because nobody, normal people don't act like that. Yeah, yeah. very transactional and very I told you so and very like confrontational. Yeah, I think uh, people are always looking for the thing that is the real thing for the left to do. And some people are like, oh, well, we need to get people in power. We need to build power in the government. And that sucks. That There's, there's nothing there. And then people are, people get driven from that. And they're like, oh, I need to do mutual aid now. And I need to, to build power that way. And, you know, they're just like doing volunteer work for like nonprofits and NGOs. And it's nice. It's nice to help people. But it's really like, I think for people that, that care and that have been around for a while and have lived through multiple cycles of like, Oh, Bush, Trump is a fascist. Oh, Obama and Biden. They, they lied about being progressives. Now they're in, you know, we've lived through multiple cycles of that. And it's, there's like, there is nothing there. There's, there, you know, everyone just like believes, you know, uh, yeah. without, mm-hmm. without remembering what happened in the past. Every, every election is the um, most important election of your lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> there is a very like millenarian kind of apocalyptic energy behind it every time. Um, and I think that's probably ingrained in our culture at large. Um, and that goes to the way that a lot of people look at revolution as well. It's, it's going to be this big of like, you know, you hear people talk about it's going to be this big event um, and kind of, always um, pushing like the, the need to affect actual change materially um, into the future. And yeah. I think that, uh, you know, whether it is kind of the um, kind of Radlib 
anarchist version of that or the, you know, democratic, you know, um, you know, centrist version of that. It is kind of going back in this cycle um, where they, they, and, and, you know, I think it's probably created to do just that. It's definitely yeah. like a branded, like it's intentional. It's, I think it's definitely like a designed, uh, like there's definitely a plan in place in terms of like, uh, get volunteers push that there's this like deadline and like we we don't have another year yeah especially around environmental issues yeah like, I, in my lifetime it's gone from the world is going to end in 100 years to 50 years to 30 years to now we've apparently only got 10 years left to live <laughs> and if we don't turn every machine off right now we're all going to die yeah i at and, the risk of sounding like <laughs> Like I'm a not a climate analyst. Yeah, I'm not or a saying. conservative. Like a thuglican. Yeah, <laughs> I think so much of that shit is like blown out of proportion, and that they use it as like you know scare tactic to be like, well, yeah, well, we have to do this. We have to get you know Cheeto Man out, and you know, like you said, it's the most important election of our time. It's it's always the most important election of our time, but it's always just we got to just vote the lesser of two evils it's just constantly this yep. like white knuckle like everything yeah, is the most shitty. important thing but yeah. don't go too far we only <laughs> want to do that a little bit yeah there's no time there's no it's time the most important <laughs> election ever but we can't do socialism we just don't have the time for it. They can't even give you like a little vote on healthcare. Or anything like that. <laughs> There's no like, time for that, like, Johnny. They can't even just do it like a wink and a nod that they they pretend to care because um, they don't have to because people more have bought into it. You know, even even without that, um, and they they know it at this point that they the the left is so you know just cucked. That. <laughs> Johnny, I saw I saw you like quote tweet. Who was it? it was one of the uh, the four, the squad members who was tweeting about we need Medicare for all or something like that. And you're like, that's <laughs> all we get. For Just... all. That's it. That's the tweet. Right. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, that's all you get. That is it. <laughs> the tweet. That's it. That's all you all get. All we get is the tweet. Well, yep. AOC pointed out that there's like they snuck something into the bill where one day when they do student loan forgiveness, it'll be tax free. So technically we didn't lose. Oh my God. Mm. Just the bar <laughs> yeah. just gets lower and lower every day. If you operate a business in a um, minority owned community for three years, then you um, have an opportunity for a Pell Grant. And so oh, yeah. that, that was like <laughs> complex, complex take, thing to take what you know, we can get. This, uh, this way, this last like wave of that shit, uh, you know, and, all, and it makes me pine for like the 2014 era, like Parks and Rec Democrats, <laughs> who like they weren't pretending to do all that shit. Like they were still like they were still trying at least to to make to get some things done. And now it's just like it's just like who you know everyone is. They know that they're always on the spot for like anything they say can get them fired at any moment. So like That's they don't really even care grim. about getting anything done. They're just gonna like say the perfect thing. Like oh like you know i i'm i'm hesitant to pass this bill because i don't know about like how much equity it's going to give to the aapi community or something and like, yeah they're afraid of being canceled so hard yeah. right now at least the parks are you know this is making me like nostalgic for like 2014 Th now. that's really grim alex that's that you're sick. nostalgic for that <laughs> it's sick i'm sick for 2014 or uh, nostalgic <laughs> that's i know we yeah we watch the office like every night before we go to bed and it's like 
were pining for like this world that was really shitty anyways but it was like somehow there's like how stable these jobs are he can he can uh, you know they can sleep at their desks and there's all <laughs> yeah. this you know it seems like a you know a, any kind of um you know media like that where it's like kind of centered around it's like if you watch office space too you're like yeah. just you don't like dude like get get in there you know like that's a set job <laughs> uh, you know like yeah well that was and, kind and of like it was uh, a joke when they made that movie too that they were meaningless yeah. jobs yeah and that was well it's funny years. like the, the first i think the third episode of the office they're like they're picking like which health plan which like employer sponsored health plan everyone gets you know like everyone has health insurance at the office and like it's paid for by the company 100 percent, and it gets downgraded slightly and everyone's actually mad about it you know yeah, because people I, I back think... then like ex- expected to get health insurance from their job yeah it wasn't like a gig company <laughs> It was normal, you know, it was like normalized having health insurance. Yeah, we're we're self-employed. How about how about you guys? Like we I I haven't had an employer since like 2011 or I guess yeah, 10 years now. I haven't I've been self-employed for that long. How about you guys? You're unemployable. Yeah, I I'm a ter- yeah. I'm I'm a really hard <laughs> worker, but I don't like put up with shit. You don't take people. shit from no one. Yeah. <laughs> So I do um, a lot of web development and like programming and that whole sector is kind of like, it's very rare. You'd find a full-time job. Yeah. Like at a company. You're either freelance, which is yep. what I do, or you basically are freelance, but through an agency. Yeah. So the agency will place you and it's basically just back to back temp work. Yeah. So you yeah. work for the agency, you get a paycheck. Sometimes the agency will give you healthcare, maybe benefits like a 401k, maybe um, but you're basically like six months here, nine months here. Yeah. So I'm lucky where I get, um, I have some like decent clients and right now I work for a design agency as they're like one of their web dev people. So I have consistent work coming in and it's really nice and I can work remote. And it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been up here in like the Hudson Valley. So I've been sort of a big fish in a little pond for a long time. It's hard when you're down in the city, there's like a ton of competition down there, but I kind of managed to carve out a little living. And we actually like at one point, Alex and I had uh, employees. Um, We were, we had this idea that we were going to be like this growing marketing firm because, you know, like we say, it's like, it's really shitty, like in our industry, like there's no regular employment at all. So we were like, well, let's, well, I guess it was just me. I was like, I'm going to be the boss that I always wanted to have, but it doesn't be the socialist business owner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought, you know, we'd like, I'd kind of run it like a co-op, but like, but everyone would still get a regular paycheck so they didn't oh. have to worry about it. But run it like a co-op, but take on all the hundred fi- percent of the financial risk. Yeah. <laughs> like us, us fucking suck. Best of like both worlds. Yeah. 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 That's we kind needed, of the model. You know, what we needed was a foundation grant. We should have, we should have leveraged your like 1% indigenous heritage. I'm not indigenous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Oh yeah, I forgot. I am now. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's the way. That's the grift. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta get some rich person's money so that they. Gotta, yeah, them. yeah. That uh, Soros money is r- just flowing around you guys. So you know, <laughs> it's, 
it, Soros money just just be hitting different. It actually is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Soros invested in what Bard College. He Bard invest, College. Yeah. He invested a hundred million dollars in Bard College, which is yeah. like directly across the river from us. No, I wasn't being facetious. Our- I was basing that off of our previous conversation. No, like yeah. legitimate uh, with his son, you know, Soros money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex Soros is uh, a little like pay pig for Kamala Harris. He, uh, <laughs> he took a bunch of pictures with her like early, like when she was still in the presidential primary. And it's just such a, it's such a signal to the like NGO class that, uh, you know, she's acceptable to Alexander Soros and like Alexander Soros writes all the fucking checks. So you better like Kamala Harris and not be too mean to her. This guy is like literally like paying every single social justice NGO that goes in the streets and talks about like, you know, whose streets, our streets, abolish the police, all this shit. And like, he's just taking selfies with Kamala Harris. It's like, it's insane. That was the most wild thing to see how overtly like the Black Lives Matter movement was like used to as basically a voter registration a voter turnout yeah. and registration um and patronage like it's like to scare well, people almost like to scare people yeah. into thinking it's like we were saying it's the most important election of your lifetime kind of thing yeah like all the the cities are burning it's white supremacy literal yeah. nazis oh yeah and you know it'll it'll like turn back even though like shit happens every single day that is like just as outrageous uh it'll all like turn back up in the midterms like in 2022 it'll everyone will be back in the streets again Uh, and then it'll go away magically after like december 2022 yep um like and you can see too like i mean just this week i don't know if you guys saw a story you've seen this you heard of this uh tamir rice's parents or mom was really pissed at like someone at at the grammys or something that was they did some kind of like music performance that was uh evocative of like black lives matter and tamir and it was like officially with black lives matter and tamir rice's mom was like i they raised all this money i didn't you know yeah well that's the thing they raise all that money sometimes even specifically for like a funeral or something and they never give it to the family because it's all a grift well not even that no obligation to do it well michael brown's parents then came out afterwards and he they like brought up oh wow like black lives matter raised like I don't know, 40 million, 80 million, something, something insane directly. And like, none of it came back to Michael Brown's community that they can tangibly see. And like, so the parents of these kids that are getting killed by the police are saying it. And then a bunch of the like chapter official chapters of black lives matter are also saying it, but everyone, you know, there's just this like massive army of of white liberals who are just like, Oh yes, this is, you know, I'm a good person because I'm showing up for this cause that the parents of the dead kids actually hate, but I'm doing it for me. Like it, it's, it's insane. It's crazy making. I mean, that's kind of what happened with me with the, our revolution thing. Yeah. Tell, I don't know if we t- yeah. This is a good, good segue into <laughs> tell us. So it sounds like you about... want it to be your revolution. Not our revolution. <laughs> it's our revolution. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's more to it. There's a backstory where uh, I worked with the Bernie campaign going back to like 2015. Um, let me see here. So just like, I guess I should say my little disclaimer where uh, th- these are, this is an alleged work of fiction and any Wait. name similarities. 
or coincidence. And who who the hell are you? <laughs> who are you guys? What are you doing here? Wait, where where am I? So, like, I actually tried to share all this with a, a few publishers. I was going to write a book about it, just my whole experience and how crazy it was. And I, it was like three or four publishers I went to before I just stopped bothering. All told me the same thing, which was this is an amazing story. But we write political books and the majority of our business comes from like center left, like Democrats. Yeah. And this is going to piss off a bunch of people. Yeah. And even if it doesn't piss off a bunch of people and they all want to buy this book, you're going to piss off the people the story is about yeah. and they're going to sue us. And even if we'd win in court, we'd still have to go to court and spend all this money. And we don't know if your book would make enough money to cover having to go to court. Mm. So sorry, try yeah. self <laughs> that yeah that dude that's what happens like when we first were we were uncovering all this stuff about the novo foundation alex like did a bunch of research and compiled the date the data and realized that like this is the biggest um well it's like a town crazy... investment it's like yeah. a, it's, it's a crazy story right if you've yeah. seen the video that i made so alex tried to pitch this story before i even made the video he tried to pitch it to like a couple of different like online leftist heavy air quotes leftist you know journals and i think maybe like one of them was interested right alex and they were like yeah oh yeah, yeah that sounds really interesting but then they like never got back that happened to me too i uh i was approached someone like a mutual friend reached out to someone at the intercept yeah that's to right. go over specifically <laughs> the bernie part that's... And they talked to me for like days. We had phone calls like every other day that would last hours. And they took all these notes and then just disappeared. Yeah. And I reached out to the guy and he was like, yeah, I'll get back to you. And never did. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, that's a, that's a nice thing, I guess, like about self-publishing, like we're doing on our podcasts here. You know, it's like we have these tiny little audiences and it's fine, but it, we're like, this kind of stuff is never going to get out. And that's why when these like, these little anarchy angry little bread tube anarchists like say oh you're just jealous you're just jealous i'm like no i'm not because like the these people who who gain platforms and gain you know all this attention it's, it becomes like a gatekeeping thing almost with them they, yeah well and and you you can't you can't gain that kind of platform by talking about this stuff yeah you, you just can't you and you never will and that and well, it's, like, not, I'm it's not popular it's a very niche yeah. thing yeah. And I, I'm like fine with that. I'm like I'd rather like speak honestly about this stuff than worry yeah. about maintaining some kind of audience. Yeah. What, what's funny too is like I don't know. We're, we none of us are like famous or anything like that. We're not making like tons of money from Patreon, but uh, it's funny when like we have people like us have these critiques, which obviously like you can only get to this place from lived experience, where like. You, we've all like seen some shit and like tried some shit and people that say that they're like all about something turned out to not be. And like, that's, that's like a very alienating experience for all of us. Um, and then these people like see uh, these like very basic criticisms that we make they're like, Oh, well, what are you doing? <laughs> are you, aren't you even organizing your own community? How are it's you like, contributing? Yeah, yeah, we have, we did, maybe we still are. And like, we still have this, this analysis, it's you very like you disheartening for sure. Like a, yeah. a, part of why I wanted to write, the, I was going to call the book Burned, by the way, and every publisher was like, terrible idea, yeah. like spelling it B-E-R-N-E. You know, that's Burned. interesting that uh, they didn't want to because you, you'd think that like 
they're hungry for a Bernie critique, but I guess a, a well, left Bernie right critique. Yeah. yeah. The, they right. wanted a right wing when they heard that I was a socialist is when they lost interest. They thought I was right. like a Steven Crowder kind of guy or like a, one of those, right. you know, that's so interesting. Yeah. So they they wanted a, yeah, they, they wanted Bernie's a dirty communist. Blah, blah, uh, blah. They didn't want that Bernie's a uh, just a kind of center left, like that's, sheepdog. dog. That's yeah. wild, man. That's so wild. Yeah. You're banned the, from the Verso loft. Be, no, I act Verso is one of the, I reached out to them, <laughs> didn't hear back. Uh, uh, I wanted to write it as like a warning almost to like young people who get into politics. Cause obviously like we all started out further to the center than we are now. Uh, and it, you get to where you are in terms of like socialism or whatever, because of your lessons that you learned throughout your life of being active in politics. So it's, you get radicalized, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So the radicalizing thing for me was working with Bernie. Cause I started out thinking like, Oh, there's this cool guy, you know, uh, I knew who he was since high school. Um, cause all those guys in Senate and the Congress are like kind of all the same. And then you've got like Kucinich and people like that, who are figures who were like a little weirder and a little out there. Yeah. Bernie's one of those figures where even before he ran for president, he was, he had his moments. Well, he even went on, was like, <clears throat> You know, we used to go on like MSNBC on Rachel Maddow during the like Obama years was like a regular on there um, because they just saw him as, you know, a French figure. So th then she was happy to have him on there as like in a, in a friendly way um, because they didn't see him as any kind of threat. Uh, and yeah, he seemed like he wasn't, he was harmless yeah. basically. But when you're younger, um, Democrat-ish, progressive-ish, whatever. You're like, oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> He's like speaking my language. He's talking about unions and Medicare for all and stuff like that. And he's just kind of like a broken record. And he's from this different generation. You know, he's got this heavy Brooklyn accent. Um, he has a history in civil rights, like legit guy. So it's, you know, when someone like that runs for president or something, you're just like, oh, wow, this is going to change everything. This is the, this is it. Yeah. Um, so I was already interested when I heard he might run and then he announced it and it was funny. His announcement was just like, you guys all remember, he came out like on his lunch break and was like, I'm running for president. I got to get back to work. <laughs> and then like, that was it. I don't remember. This was the first <laughs> time, right? In 2016. Yeah. Yeah. He announced in like, I don't know, June 2015. Yeah literally called a press conference on the lawn of like uh the capitol and he came out and he was like oh i don't have much time Let's get this over <laughs> you know it's interesting that's that's some of the last <laughs> stuff that uh john stewart covered on the daily show was bernie announcing yeah he was gonna run i feel like that yeah, would have yeah. you know like people people always blame like oh uh you know trump won because john stewart wasn't on the air anymore but I think also like we would have been warm. No, I, I think, think we would have helped him out the shit, some shit about Bernie. And I think, I think we would have gotten closer to the truth a lot faster if uh, the daily show or, or if John Stewart was still on while Bernie was running that first time. Yeah. People talk a lot of shit about John Stewart, but I think he's a comedian and people forget that he's like not a pundit really. He's there to just poke fun yeah. at everyone. And I think poking fun at the people is really what gets to the, you get to like a core of what someone's character mm -hmm. is kind of almost. So even though the SNL is like terrible, they really got to the core of like what Trump is and like 
what Biden is and what Hillary Clinton is, almost in an yeah. honest way, because their job is just to get people to laugh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like I feel like we would have gotten closer to the truth about Bernie, and like it might have saved a lot of people a lot of the time. Well, what is the fucking truth about Bernie? I mean, like I fucking. <laughs> I I got duped by him, I guess. Like I really believed in his shit and uh like I don't think yeah. he's a bad guy. I don't think he's like a monster or anything like that. No, I, I need think to totally just... hate him. If we're going to hate him, well, let's go all the, let's go all the way. <laughs> Is he canceled or not? But I think his deal <laughs> I mean, I don't I'm not a fan anymore, but I would say he it's like one of those never meet yeah. your heroes kind of things. Where it's like he he never was the person we all thought he was. What's he really like? So it's he's just like a nicer older guy yeah. who wants to he first and foremost, I think he wants a better life for his kids and his his kids' kids, his grandkids, and like his community and like his country. So he's he just has he's just like a good guy in terms of like he's not out there trying to screw people over, he's not taking money from mm-hmm. big corporations politicians so i think deep down he really is like Mm -hmm. a good guy but the thing is he's not like a hero he's not like gonna risk it all right you know what i mean also not that radical i think it's just that we're so used to like center right kind of austerity bullshit that when a guy comes along and says like maybe we shouldn't lock people up for marijuana people go crazy yeah that's insane how could you but he's not really proposing anything that is that great. He's proposing like very social Democrat kind of like capitalism with more restrictions. Right. Kind of a thing. Like he's not, he's not a radical. He's not a Which, revolutionary. Like, so don't get me wrong. I think still, I still think that would have been a like huge improvement, even though, yeah, obviously he's not like a socialist, but like would have put, I think that would have pushed things in the, right direction giving people some material getting some people's material needs met yeah but but i want to hear more so you so with the r revolution stuff so you you got interested in bernie sanders were you like volunteering for him first or yeah kind of so it started in 2015 i got reached out to by some random people because of i don't know they found me on twitter or something asking basically saying hey we're coming to town we're gonna have this event for bernie can you help spread the word because we saw you're like very political and involved in all this blah 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 so i did that and they're like by the way show up uh uw we need some help uh on this date this time whatever it was going to be basically bernie's first rally in washington i think it was like october 2015 and i went down there and they ended up having me um because i've done like political events before and so this guy named Andrew, actually, same name as me, uh, basically trained volunteers to like work the line and basically go through the line and collect information for people. So your email address, phone number, name, and give them a sticker so that everyone knows their information got collected and just train everyone to do that. Mm. So we ended up training, I don't know, 30, 40 volunteers, and we needed way more because we thought like a thousand people would show up and like 5,000 people showed up. Wow. Huge event. Yeah. Uh, they were, it was nuts. I mean, I could talk for hours about this, but that was the first big event in Washington. Um, it was so big that we couldn't fit everyone in the uh, venue. It was Husky Stadium, the University of Washington, which I don't know how many people it seats, but yeah, it was at capacity and the fire marshal mm-hmm. made us close the doors 
and people it was like a zombie movie people were pounding on the doors trying to get in <laughs> and we were like don't worry bernie's gonna come out and bernie literally he wasn't anybody at that he didn't have secret yeah. service he literally just walked out and walked out the door and people were going nuts wow someone handed him a microphone and he gave a little speech outside and it was yeah like i had never seen a politician get that kind of it was like a rock star well so what do you so why do you why do you think people this was before he was like that famous what do you think People yeah, I think like, it's young students who are just like totally screwed. Like they have like no future prospects. Like they know their degree is useless. They know they're going to have a struggle to pay their student loans. They don't have healthcare. So people are just desperate for anything better. And I think he was talking about something better. So he wasn't talking about socialism. He's talking about, you know, like he said, student loan forgiveness and like jobs guarantees and just basic social democracy stuff that like yeah. every other country in the world has. And it just people who are, you know, they're hungry for that. 35. Yeah. That's like their thing. Yeah. So they were going crazy for it. Older people were going crazy for it because he was talking about getting us out of wars. He was talking about the better retirement, just like basic, basic stuff. So yeah, people, it just goes to show like it doesn't take much. People go crazy for it. It was just populism. Yeah. So (laughs) he ran back inside. He did his speech inside. Uh, One thing that I always remember. So I was like, this Bernie guy's so legit. And I was like, sold. There was a guy probably five years older than me who got dragged out by the cops from the event. And he was screaming like, this guy's a fucking fraud. He's just saying the same shit. It's just a sheepdog thing. He's not a socialist. He's just Whoa. trying to get y'all to join the Democrats. Whoa. I'm like, that guy sounds crazy. I was Sean McCarthy. <laughs> no, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> but no looking back i was like was that me from stepping out of a time machine dude oh my god yeah <laughs> that's crazy um based yeah no i mean yeah oh, so i mean there's a whole asshole yeah <laughs> so oh, there's Car- a carl bajir worried me about this guy oh god <laughs> which which one of the carls there's like five of them alan iverson warned me <laughs> AI, the truth. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, a lot of there were a lot of events after that. Um, but after that, I got contacted by some other people who were like, basically, they heard from that guy did a really good job at that event, and they're going to open some campaign offices, and they want me to be involved in the campaign. So they came out to Washington. I helped them get like office space, and we set up three or four campaign offices around Seattle, and one out in Eastern Washington. And I like connected them with some friends and some like basically Bernie people who were like excited and got um, some temporary housing for uh, the staff, basically sleeping on floors or whatever, uh, people's basements and living rooms. Um, We had uh, like, we called them barnstorm events where you basically have this like big event where Bernie's not there, but you have like the state coordinator for the campaign come out and it's like ooh, big deal person and then everyone gets excited and it's just another event to sign people up for an email list basically just like the other event but you also like kind of recruit people to volunteer more in depth so doing like canvassing or whatever you get them to come to the campaign offices so there was a lot of that for like months all throughout this time i'm like so am i gonna like get paid like what's going on and they're like oh yeah yeah we just need to like get everything in order and that went on forever um spoiler alert i never got paid uh, <laughs> but 
Yeah, this, I guess like um, we had another rally too, and it was there were two more rallies in Washington, but the one that's kind of funny was at um, what was called Key Arena, but now it's called like Climate Promise Arena or whatever, because like Amazon invested in it, and it's all about like awesome. <laughs> totally separate thing, but it's in Seattle. It's basically in the middle of the city. It's this old arena they built in the for the World's Fair, and it's like way too small for anything. Bernie had his event there, much bigger event. I want to say 30,000 people showed up. Just off the top of my head, I think that's the estimate. That's a lot of people. Huge, 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 like rock star event. Yeah. That's how many people show up for like a band playing yeah. at the venue. Yeah. Um, not everyone could get inside. But that's when I started to get like fishy about this whole thing. Because like, so I met Bernie there, talked to him for like a minute. Um I was still working with the campaign staff, but the people they had go up on stage and like talk to the audience were these like total Democrat grifter people hmm. who were just like nobodies and just totally wanted to get like a photograph like behind a podium with Bernie's name on it in front of a crowd yeah, to use like later, right? Yeah. One of them was this like native kid who I always called like lanyard kid. I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> But total, like, I think he was, like, 18, but he, like, wore a suit with, like, a lapel pin and, like, acted important. This total weird, like, lanyard kids. Johnny knows what I'm talking about when I say lanyard kids. I think it's a pretty easy... Like, the people that were really, really excited about the model UN. um, Like, total nerds, (laughs) yeah. Just, like... Yeah, Yeah, it's a dog whistle for nerdy kids. I get it. Well, yeah, it's a a convention thing, right? It's, like, people who go to conventions where they're lanyards and... He had really his, hyped about like one particular thing. Well, it's like the people used to go to political conventions specifically. Yeah. But they like keep the lanyards forever. <laughs> yeah. They put them next to their, uh, the mask, their mask Bernie, um, uh, Funko Pop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was I actually, I actually do have a small box of that stuff. Um, that, is is campaign stuff that I've kept. That is Johnny, kind of my. You have a you have a Funko Pop collection, don't you? <laughs> Custom. Funko I can neither I can neither confirm nor deny this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I do I do not own any Funko Pops. Okay, but uh, but I sure. but I but I I am probably a little like too uh, much of a like a nerdy Doctor Who fan for my own good, so I am leaning in that direction. <laughs> Of a little bit of uh, you know the Funko Pop, but do you have a do you have a Bernie Funko Pop? I that's yeah, no, but <laughs> you know I would have. I definitely would have at a certain point have bought a Bernie Funko Pop. Definitely. So when this pandemic's over, I want to go. I want to go slam some craft IPAs at the barcade and win a Bernie Funko Pop. Bring it home. <laughs> Will it be the Bernie in a suit Funko Pop or the Bernie yeah. sitting in a chair with his mittens Funko Pop? Oh, the mittens Funko. Oh, Pop. mittens Bernie for <laughs> yeah. sure. But I'll bring it home to my pod. That's the most. That's the final. That's the final form. Last chapter is is yeah. sitting in the chair. Yeah. With the mitten, the totally neutered mittened man. Yeah. I'll set man. that on yeah, top of. Set that on top of my I, I saw Nintendo Switch. Somebody who who ordered one of those and they thought it was gonna be this neat, um, like like nice home knitted little um Bernie, but it ended up being this like cheap um like, 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 they, they, they started like because they got a ton of orders for them. So they like 
contracted it out to some factory to mass produce them. And I'm like, this is just like the perfect fitting metaphor. You think you're going to get this homespun like Etsy device and you get this mass produced, um, you know, just it was 2016 Bernie versus 2020 yeah. Bernie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so the, back to the dumb story here. Uh, back to the story. Uh, I want to say about a month later at Safeco field, which was a huge, it's a huge baseball field. I, what, they renamed that one too. And I think it's T-Mobile park now. I think it's, anyway. it's like only fans, KFC stadium. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no, I don't keep up with sports. I'm not Carl beer. I'm not a big fan of sports. Um, but yeah, Bernie's, the goal of the campaign was, this was before the, um, so Washington state is one of the states that has a caucus instead of a, a mail-in primary for the political primary or for the- um, it, it did before. Well, right. So the Democrats, um, the party's primaries, uh, typically you'll have a state run primary where only registered Democrats can vote, but because Washington state's weird and doesn't actually have party registration, anyone can vote in any primary. So the way they get around it is the party sure. says, actually, we're gonna have a caucus and then you have to say on a piece of paper at the caucus that you're a Democrat. Hmm. But what's nice about that is it's very informal. So it, you get around the voter registration laws yeah. and stuff like that very easily. Well, in New York, it's the worst. You it's so, it's be... very restrictive in New York state, yeah. 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 Pennsylvania is similar. Florida's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, things are getting better, but yeah. So Washington though is one of the caucus states or at least it used to be. Um, but in 2016, it was a caucus state. So Bernie was hoping for like a huge win in the caucus state because you can really organize around a caucus and get like young people to come out. And that's a whole separate topic. I think caucuses are bullshit. But uh, yeah, there was a big drive to get people to come out to the caucus. And part of that was we'll have this whole huge rock star thing at Safeco Field and we'll fill the whole baseball stadium, which seats some crazy, I don't know, 50, 60,000 people or something. That didn't happen. Only about 30,000 people turned out. Still really, really good. Um, I got pulled out of whatever I was doing for the campaign to literally go hang out with Bernie, which was really cool. And he made fun of my clothes, which was <laughs> awkward. He basically was like, could have dressed nicer, huh? Or something like that. And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't know I was going to be meeting him. So I didn't know. I was wearing like a flannel shirt and jeans or something and like dirty boots. <laughs> called you a slob huh basically <laughs> a different generation and then, and then you were like i quit fuck you <laughs> yeah i was like where's my uh where's my money <laughs> yeah right uh so there is a photo of me hanging out with bernie wearing a flannel shirt um but yeah that was that was cool um but the caucuses so the caucuses happened they're at different levels it's really confusing i'll try to go through it really quick there's like the precinct level, then the legislative district, then the congressional district, then the uh, county. And then you finally end up at the state convention for the Democrats. Um, and that's where they, it's basically their nominating process on the state level. Um, so Bernie's big thing was like, typically people don't care about the caucus. They don't show up after the first level because they probably don't even know there's more than a first level and you have to keep showing up in person. So Bernie's whole strategy was get everyone to show up at every level and it worked. It was amazing. Um, by the legislative district caucus, we had more than 75% of the people at almost every caucus site. Um, 
they they were actually um, reorganizing at, at least at Mike's at, at this time. I was not a, as involved as Andrew, but I was like a, a delegate um, at my my county level and um, for the Sanders campaign. And what they were doing was rearranging um, yeah. the rules. Well, that's because, what I was going to get to. They, the Democrats yeah. cheated and rewrote the rules midway through the process, which is against their own bylaws. Hmm. They they have to change the rules way ahead of time before the election starts. They decided like a week ahead of time. So at this legislative district caucus that I went to, very, very Bernie heavy turnout. Lots of people of color, lots of working people, lots of young people. Um, very low Hillary turnout. The caucus rules say if you get under 15%, you're ruled non-viable and you don't get any delegates. You forfeit all your delegates to the other candidate, which is amazing. So yeah. what ended up happening was the Democrats came up with this bullshit scheme where they could go to somewhere where all the rich people live, where it's like 100% Hillary, where more people show up because they have what's called an alternate delegate. So for every delegate spot, you have a delegate and an alternate so that if the first person doesn't show up, they don't lose it. It's like a representative democracy on a very small level. It's, pretty, it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's from like the 1800s. So they have all these extra Hillary delegates who don't get to do anything are just standing around. So they don't physically like bust them to another location. What they did is when they tally the vote, they say, well, we take all these Hillary delegates from, you know, Vashon Island or whatever, and we'll put them in the 43rd uh, legislative district in Seattle where Bernie had a really high turnout and Hillary didn't. And that way Hillary maintains her 15% and isn't ruled non-viable. So they like reshuffled the delegates? Exactly. They moved everyone around. So that instead of having like two or three areas where you have 300% turnout for Hillary, they had every area have at least 15% turnout for Hillary. Wow. Well, so that, if they had actually counted the votes <laughs> as they were during Hillary the primary, Hillary she would, would not have. have and she it would have been a story in itself because she, she would have had been no insane. delegates here. Yeah. Hmm. It would have been a huge, huge, huge embarrassment that a state as big as Washington, 101 delegates, I think at the time, and Hillary gets zero. Yeah. It would have been potentially could have tanked her campaign then in mm. March of 2016. So this was like their way of saving it. It's insane. Basically, what I'm saying is they don't follow their own rules. Yeah. And it's kind of telling in terms of what these people believe in, in terms of democracy. Yeah. So they rigged the election in Washington state in 2016 to stop Bernie from getting 100% of the delegates. Yeah. So anyway, going into the state convention, Bernie had two thirds of the delegates instead of 100%. But that's still two thirds. So at the state convention for the Democrats, it says in the bylaws, the state convention is like the sole authority of the party at the time. So you can change all the bylaws. You can change all the rules. You can hire and fire people, anything you want to do. We had a plan that we will um, basically uh, change the party platform to get rid of superdelegates so that no Washington superdelegates go to the uh, national convention. So Hillary doesn't get any votes from Washington at all, because at the time she had something like 20 delegates from Washington that were only super delegates, which are basically senators and donors, and it's bullshit. All the party apparatus. Yeah, yeah, they're just like fancy pants who donated a lot of money or something. So we endorsed Bernie and got rid of super delegates. And then at the end of the day, Jackson Ravens, the then uh, Washington State Democratic Party chair was like, actually, none of that matters. They're just having fun. None of, none of those rules actually apply. And like that was his press release. And then he endorsed Hillary Clinton. Wow. Yeah. Even though Bernie won 
the whole state. Yeah, it's just insane. So anyway, that was my experience as a not Democrat working with the Bernie campaign in 2016 in Washington state. So how did that turn into you starting a chapter for yeah. so revolution? They, they liked what I had done um, and basically were like, we're going to do this thing that's a lot like organizing for America, which was what came out of the Obama campaign to basically keep it going. Because at that point, I'd say like a month or two after that, it was clear Bernie wasn't going to win. He didn't, he just didn't have the super delegate votes. Mm. So Hillary, I mean, you guys are aware, did the whole AP thing where it called it for California for Hillary based on the super delegate vote, which basically yep. depressed the vote. Well, all the people were still in line. Yeah, um, and everyone went yeah. home. Yeah, totally rigged the vote again. Tells you what they think about democracy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Bernie campaign, some people from the campaign reached out to me and were like, we're going to start this thing called Our Revolution. We really want you to start the state chapter because you, like everyone knew me across the state because I was running all over the place. Because I uh, was between... Uh, freelance gigs at the time and had been anticipating getting paid the whole time so I was just like rolling with it but I had a bunch of friends I'd made from Bernie stuff I was all over the place Um, people like respected me so they're like yeah you should totally do it and so I did it got all these people involved we got like 10,000 people sign up to the email list right away Um, yeah it was like getting really cool we're like, this is going to be like a thing where we can use this to like organize stuff on a state level. We can try to push for like, uh, you know, ballot initiatives or whatever on a yeah. state level. We're going to have all this data. Yeah, we had all these people we could contact. We had all these elected officials who were Bernie supporters on our side. Right away, though, the Democrats were like, no, you can't be in charge of this. You need to let all these other people in. And I'm like, I'm not letting all these Democrats run this Bernie organization. Mm-hmm. You're out of your mind. It was people like um, State Representative Noel Frame, um, then State Representative Pramila Jayapal, who went on to win an election to Congress. Um, People you would think are like really cool progressive people. Yeah. Totally like career minded. Yeah. Opportunist weirdos. (laughs) Um, Well, what I'm hearing so far is that like uh, it was clear in like 2015, 2016 that. you know, that kind of rhetoric of like, oh, I have news for the Democratic establishment, I have news for the Republican establishment, you can't stop us. That kind of energy was needed yeah. to dominate these people. These people needed to be like dominated and beaten. Needed, and well, beaten electorally, next, don't say beaten. Yeah, banned. parody. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but what happened, the way it played out in 2019, 2020 is that this, this Bernie left that we thought existed actually just turned out to be like really soft when when they once you know once they got punched a tiny bit by like the working families party or oh yeah um, just total like yeah. um um like patronage organizations just like yeah. well when, the thing is like half the people um in the the staff were involved with those same yep. people in the working family oh yeah party. like i said you know like they were all yeah yeah they're all Democrats. They're all party apparatus people, even yeah. people in Bernie's campaign. I got into so many arguments with people who were like filling out job applications to work for Hillary in like early 2016 when Bernie was still running. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, I've got to keep my, you know, I got to keep making money. And I'm like, but you're working for Bernie like right now. And it just like blew my mind at the time. But looking yeah. back, it's like, well, they're just 
campaign weirdos. They don't yeah, see, it's a career, it's, outside that. It's a career path. Yeah, and it's not like these people are doing it because they're sticking to some sort of moral conviction. They're doing it because it's a it's a career. So they're just gonna you know go wherever. Yeah, no, it's wherever great. the the interest is. Um, and they were all hedging their bets, and they all thought it was you know in twenty twenty it was going to be Warren. So um, skipping ahead like, a little bit. Oh but, yeah, Winnie Wong. Uh, yeah, who did people for Bernie. Everyone forgets it was people for Warren first. Yeah, thought Warren was going to be the person in 2016. Yeah, when it turned out to be Bernie, she was oh. like, "Oh fuck," and changed it to people for Bernie. Oh, Funny I thing I, I didn't mention when I was at the um, Safeco Field event working for Bernie, uh, the baseball field one. She was there, and at the time I had no idea who she was because why would I know who she was? And she came up to me and was like weirdly flirting, and I'm like, "Who are you?" And she's like, I'm, I have to do this for work. I have to be here. And I'm like, okay. Like trying to be like, they made me come here. And then I found out later she runs people for Bernie. And I'm like, no one made her go there. Hmm. She, didn't work for the, she was just ass kissing all the way back in 2016. Yeah. And then ass she would kissing. later, brown nosing, whatever. She would later turn that into a, a actual job with the campaign. And then what did she do? Her and some of the other people basically made Bernie go super woke to kind of, you know, sandbag himself instead of talking about um, borders being used in terms of like um, uh, killing wages and stuff, importing low wage workers. Like Bernie talked about how we got to have open borders and it was like a total like woke moment. Yeah. You think that they pushed him woke woke in order to sabotage him? Yeah. hundred percent. I don't think they're I think these people, like they're all educated. They all, they know what they're doing. They totally, they wanted Warren to win. They probably knew there was a plan in place to like Mm. screw Bernie. Bernie probably knew there was a plan in place. He was calling Biden his friend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone knew it was going to be Biden. Like we all hoped it was going to be Bernie, but everyone kind of knew. Like even when Bernie was winning, we were like, is this going to work? That's the weirdest thing. It's like, so then like, then why did he run in the first place? Why, Like if he, if he knew he was he's got to get it's it's uh fandom it's like you talk about like it's just yeah. he's selling books he's he's making money for his kids also kids college. a lot of people were relying on him to run again because they needed jobs like, yeah it's a, it's it, a make work program for people like yeah. winnie wong basically yeah. take poor people money and give it to winnie wong and also yeah. it would be incredibly like that'd be incredible void for the this entire like demographic of people in the United States, if Bernie wasn't running during that process, there right. actually where would been, they go? There might have been trouble. There might have actually yeah. been trouble. I think Trump could have won. They would have voted for Trump. A lot yeah. of those people. Well, yeah, Maybe. that that's the only way it sounds feasible is if like they were just afraid that it would look too like not enough of a democracy, like the sham would be too yeah. transparent and they just needed somebody to sort of capture all that it's like a controlled opposition thing yeah yeah. i'd rather have bernie and then screw him in the end than have like an actual populist running like a ross perot kind of figure not that i'm a fan of ross perot but the guy ran on his own money and was like an actual third party yeah uh, contender so isn't there a dude out in washington that was considering running that was like contemporary of bernie a a senator wasn't there uh, some guy named somewhere, someone out west? I don't. Know. I, can't, I can't remember who, but I don't think it was Washington. I don't know. Wasn't there Are you some guy? Mike Ravel? 
Yeah. You know? Oh, Mike Ravel. <laughs> I was going to say, kid. wasn't there some guy named Mike Ravel? That I, I worked for Mike Ravel. I mean, that's a total. Yeah, you, you could talk and say about that. Yeah. I was trying to segue. But... <laughs> well, Mike were... Ravel was the most <laughs> left candidate. And uh, I was in I was in several black barber shops and they uh, they had Mike Ravel <laughs> stuff. They all said he was great. So. Uh, they said that this guy, this guy is throwing rocks in, into the, the river. Like he's, he's doing I'll try to wrap up my Bernie crap real quick here. Our revolution. So our revolution thing, it was so short-lived. Like a month or two into it, I had people sabotaging like Democrats. Pramila Jayapal literally went, her staff and her forged my signature on city permits to shut down an event that I had planned as part of our revolution. Bernie's like staff guy, who's like kind of famous, Warren Gunnels. He and another guy were like emailing me, telling me like, here's the details for this event. We need you to organize these events. And then Pramila Jayapal comes along and sabotages it. Like, are these people talking to each other? It's weird. Hmm. It was gonna be a save healthcare rally and they turned it into a crying about Trump rally. Uh, literally impersonated me on paperwork. Eventually, they actually sued me um, as the org itself, as Our Revolution Washington, took me to court, but didn't even tell me. They tried to just do it like behind the scenes, totally illegally. What's crazy is um, their case made no sense. They weren't prepared. The judge allowed it to go forward. I had motioned for like to dismiss it because they're not Our Revolution Washington. That's what you like, get Democrat for, for trying to do a nice thing and save the totally. world yeah. <laughs> well that's the thing they, they told the judge i was like a republican operative trying to sabotage their thing oh God. yeah um they eventually um won uh, an injunction against me to not use the name and i'm like fine i'll use a different name and then they wanted to still sue me for the rest of the stuff and then they um were trying to get money out of me because these people had hired a lawyer to go after me so they wanted me to pay for their lawyer I'm like i'm not doing that so they never prepared for trial. So the trial date was like in a week and the judge emailed and was like, are you prepared for trial or what? I haven't seen discovery. I haven't seen anything. And so their lawyer starts calling me, yelling at me to give them $35,000 or she's going to like ruin my life. And I'm like, I'm not giving you anything. So she's like screaming at me and I hung up on her. It was on like the Friday the, uh, before the Monday of the, uh, what would have been the trial. And at like literally 4.30 PM, I get an email from their lawyer with a order for me to sign for the judge to dismiss all all claims with prejudice and i showed it to my lawyer and he's like sign it before they change their mind because it's over six months later they motioned for attorney's fees um my lawyer dies of a heart attack <laughs> what? what so i motion i send a, a email and i motion for the judge to allow me more time to get a new lawyer she accuses me of lying one last thing we could do was take it to state Supreme Court. So we figured it would be a slam dunk thing. The state Supreme Court would say, this is nuts and throw it out. So we motioned for reconsideration to the state Supreme Court saying, well, there was also a time limit issue. And they simply came back and said, no, we're not going to hear it. Because that's a crazy thing with Supreme Courts is they can just decide not to hear a case. So basically I got stuck with $35,000 in attorney's fees for Democrats suing me over Bernie Sanders telling me to start an organization for him. Wow. <laughs> so I had been Thanks, in contact. <laughs> I'd been in contact with Bernie saying like, you got to do something. You got to make a phone call something. Cause these people are nuts. Like, I don't want anything to do with them. You can have your stupid org. Never heard from Bernie. Hmm. Um, I actually ran into him and his wife in February, 2020 when they held a rally, when he ran again, hmm. Bernie totally <laughs> totally dismissed me i was backstage i got a press pass 
Mm. Bernie totally dismissed me. Jane told me it sounds like my problem Hmm. uh, that I'm having to go. Uh, my only option was to file for bankruptcy. So I told her like, you know, Bernie says, Bernie says, nobody should have to file for bankruptcy for medical bills. But what about people filing for bankruptcy for Bernie bills? Oh my God. (laughs) And she was like, you need to deal with it yourself. Sounds like your problem. And I'm like, these people suck. Like it's their organization. They told me to do it. I'm like one of their supporters stuck with $35,000 bill ruining my credit for Democrat bullshit. And yeah, no, but so, you still believe, you know, you still believe in the hope and the dream and just organize, <laughs> man. Just organize harder. Just, just yeah. organize. Maybe just log off and touch grass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've, really? um, Dude, what, what have you done? What have you done? Are you just <laughs> podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, even podcasting. Shit, you haven't even successfully put out that many episodes. Like, just press, <laughs> oh, like how, many, how many episodes of your podcast have you done? Press record on Audacity, my dude. Oh, you're selling merch? How oh, are you? Talking about that guy, Leslie Lee, <laughs> yeah. or whatever his name is. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, what? This is like. The best part <laughs> about that, so he stupid. made fun of us for selling t shirts. And like a week later, he started selling t shirts. He's like, yeah. oh, shit, that's a really good idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I just love up, that like that part of like oh press just press record on audacity it's not that hard <laughs> yeah it's not that hard to get people who work like sometimes 12 hours a day to find time to record a podcast. run yeah. you know, run talk, political talk, campaigns you yeah. know it's, no talk about how the snyder, the snyder cut is anti-fascist or something <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard the four by three aspect ratio <laughs> So I, I ended up getting it all thrown out. A bankruptcy judge literally was like, this is nuts. A federal judge wow. looked at it, took one look at it and said, this is nuts. I have no idea why the judge said this. This is a clear like violation of so many laws. They shouldn't have even allowed the case in county court because it was a business. So you can't sue an individual for the responsibility of a business. Mm. Like it was set up as a corporation for them to be suing you made no sense. Like, this is nonsense. And he threw it out. Their lawyer showed up to my bankruptcy hearing and tried to convince the judge to not allow it. Jesus. Jesus. And he was like, uh, you need to go back to law school because you're the lawyer. You're not the plaintiffs. The money doesn't go to you. It goes to your plaintiffs. Where are they? Yeah. Are they here today? And she was like, no. So he like, <laughs> ignored her and threw it out. They're yeah. like they're like gangsters. They're like mob. Yes. Mobsters. 100 percent. 100%. 100% insane did you just go to go to some like conservative judge and they're like yeah fuck these libs i'm throwing this (laughs) shit out no actually the judge was the judge was a very uh he uh before the hearing he was talking to me about it and he was talking about he sounded very progressive i Mm. mean i don't know his politics but he's a federal judge and he he seemed interested in what i was doing and asked me a lot about it and then was because I basically told him he was like, "What was the point of this organization?" I was like, "You know, voter registration stuff like that, like nonpartisan issues." Yeah, more about getting people interested and involved and educating people. And yeah, he thought it was like a disgrace, basically, that these people. That's the other thing. After they won yeah. their case or whatever, they dissolved the organization. Hmm. So they they spent thirty five thousand dollars to take an our revolution chapter away from me and then shut it down. That is so weird. So they didn't even want it. They just didn't want me to run it. Yeah. They they really shut down the the, the commies, right? They really shut down the I have no I don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew like their side, like what they were thinking. It's kind of insane. 
that if you is- have a bet, who do you who do you think our revolution is going to spend the bulk of their time advocating for in twenty twenty four? It's DSA people. It's DSA people. It's AOC. It's all those idiots. It's the whole yeah. fake. But, but which like which candidate athletic. do you think they're going to end up advocating for in the next cycle? Well, I think Bernie's over. I don't think he's going to run for anything, but maybe he'll run for Senate again. But at this point, he's getting pretty old. Um, I honestly think their next thing is like Ro Khanna and like AOC and the squad and those people, like the woke Democrats, the cool Democrats mm. who are totally like brand new Congress and like justice Democrat people. Yeah, I think that's like the next big thing is like the whole environmental like tech weirdos. Yes. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of where they were going was like, we can't have this random socialist dude screwing up our brand because we've already got this like 10 year plan. So Johnny met me because of uh, running for office, which happened at the end of the whole ordeal with me being sued. When Johnny uh, was he, running for office? No, I no, was running he for, ran, office. Andrew ran for okay. office first. You're getting, you're getting sued and you're like, this is a good time. Great to time to run for, <laughs> run for office. Leverage all this to the... No, it's actually, that actually is kind of what happened. A bunch of people who saw that I was being sued because I was actually doing a really good job. I defended myself through most of the case and then used, I had like a Facebook page with like thousands of followers. And I, uh, at the time was still running the organization's Facebook page and Twitter accounts, which are long gone now and running the email uh, listserv with like 12,000 people on it. So I was sending out these things like updates on the case and stuff like that. Um, so I was still pretty well known and I lived in Olympia, Washington at the time. And some people there were like, uh, there's an election coming up and there's this position for, um, public utilities commissioner. And you know, a lot about like internet and electricity and stuff, and you should totally run for it because the person who's currently in office isn't going to have a challenger and it's a six year, um, term and it's just, uh, Puget Sound Energy just pays for her campaign every time. And she doesn't do anything. She like totally opposes public power and public internet. Uh, and I was like, sounds like fun. You know, I got nothing better to do. So I ran for office as a socialist. And that was a whole crazy thing too. And uh, I mean, we can segue into Johnny. Johnny ran after me for a different uh, office and luckily had a less insane experience. But um, running for office was similarly weird, I will say, to trying to run an organization. Yeah, I ran as a socialist with the Socialist Party, uh, had a campaign website, did commercials, all kinds of cool stuff. My whole platform was basically getting us off of fossil fuel generated electricity. So I was effectively a socialist running against a Democrat in a very heavy Democrat city surrounded by a very conservative county. So what I'm hearing is that uh, you've you've had a lot of experiences where uh, you should still, I mean, you should still be trusting like the Democrats and like, so, you know, the TSA left, right? They're the worst. So that's my <laughs> move to the city. My first experience with DSA in Olympia was them taking me to a bar to basically tell me to go fuck myself and like they don't want to help me do anything because they've heard from other people in Seattle that I'm like a fake leftist and like blah blah blah. Um the DSA in Olympia is so let me get yeah. this straight. The two of you both have the nerve to run as actual socialists with concrete with a concrete plan and ideas <laughs> against and that, Democrats. Against Democrats. And then the DSA was like, now nah, fuck you guys. 100 <laughs> percent Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, they uh, they I, every time I would put I would put down um, it's it just in my neighborhood. I'd go and put posters up and stuff. And there was one billboard. I swear it was the duck season, rabbit season, um, Looney Tunes thing. Every time I take down, I I put up one of my posters, and they would rip it down and put up their candidate, who was, wasn't even running for the same position. Um, that was the other thing. The DSA didn't seem to understand. We were running for a totally different seat. They thought we were running against their uh, Democrat person who they were running for a different seat in hmm. the state, uh, I wonder, state house. I wonder if it's like that everywhere that like the DSA is just so overtly like working for because that is like so overtly working for the Democrats and not for s- socialism. You know, there's this idea that the DSA is part of the the larger left. You know, I don't even know what the fucking left is anymore anyways. Like, I think they definitely are more of a sort of liberal tendency in, ter- in terms of like uh, identity politics and like cultural issues. Yeah. And they shy away from class-centered things because in their mind, like that's Nazbol stressorism, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's just that we're pretend Republicans who are just trying to trick people and they're the real deal socialists. DSA since the beginning has been the uh, socialism for people who don't like socialism. <laughs> it's like how the Eagles are rock music for people who don't like rock music. It's just <laughs> like DSA was founded by a guy who was pro-Vietnam War and thought that communists were gross and USSR was gross and like <laughs> American should be capitalist. And, and um, Michael Harrington, by the way. Yeah, Michael Harrington. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Gloria Steinem was Gloria the, Steinem. Yeah, it's like the, the CIA. And all that. Yeah, the State Department yeah. Socialist. Yeah, uh, DSA started because Harrington wanted to split the Socialist Party. Um, basically, I mean, I might be screwing this up because it's not in front of me, but like he started the, the Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee. He wanted to turn uh, the Socialist Party into a Democratic Socialist Organization to separate it from the idea of Soviet communism. So basically started DSOC and then merged with a few other kind of identity politics, cultural issue organization, like feminist organizations to form Democratic Socialists of America. But it basically didn't do anything at all until like the 2000s. And when they did start doing things, it was just literally getting Bernie Sanders elected. Yeah. Like all the way back to 2005, that's all they've done. Yeah. Well, they did. Uh, there's there's some uh, old flyers from the University of Chicago, some events where they had uh, young uh, Senator Barack Obama speaking. Oh, well, yeah, they, they worked with Obama, events. too. But yeah, they, yeah, they've only ever. That's the thing. DSA doesn't get socialists elected. They get Democrats elected. Mm. Yeah, and I think that Obama thing, like it's not it's not that I look at that. I'm like, oh, I would have known like so much. Like at the time, if I if I hadn't been like gone through some things at the time i probably would have right there with them being like oh yeah this guy's great he's saying all the right things well, like, i voted for obama the first yeah. time like, I, I voted uh, yeah i voted for him both so, times. so so i think like i don't know what i'm kind of getting at is that uh all we can do at this time is leave some breadcrumbs for future generations because like i i go back and i look at that village voice article that adolf reed wrote a long time ago i think it was in like 96 maybe 97 yeah uh where he like he writes like very not not in a way like oh don't look out for this barack obama guy he's the worst yo like he doesn't say anything like that but he's like (laughs) 
he's like, oh yeah, like this guy is like dangerous. Smooth, he's like, he's yeah, like smooth talking, and yep. like you know, uh, he's like the next generation. He, you know, that kind of stuff is like that's the most valuable stuff for future generations to find. Um, and I feel like, you know, what I'm getting at is like for people like us, um, there's like you know, there's so much like there's so much against. There's, it's not a matter of like, oh, your flyer didn't have the right information on it, or you should have been nicer to that person, or you should have like knocked on more urban doors and not the rural doors. Like, no matter what you did, they would have found a way to fuck you. And it's not about yeah. like, there's no way to actually beat these people in a fair fight. I think you can uh, beat them on like at least a smaller, like a local level. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, they don't. They don't even follow their own rules. What makes you think they follow like the rules everyone has to follow? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's why you can't play on their, you know, terms. You know, there's yeah. no taking over the Democratic Party. It's just not. There's yeah, no... just look at like Nevada. Yeah, probably have yeah. more luck taking over the fucking Republican Party at this point. That's actually a funny thing you mentioned that. So Johnny can probably agree with me here. We talked to lots of voters. At least I talked to a lot of voters. I had way better experience with Republicans than Democrats. I had a lot of Democrats say, how dare you run against a woman? <laughs> Whereas I had a Republican say like, you know, um, I think socialism is bullshit and uh, evil and communism and Stalin killed a million people or a billion people or whatever. But I'm looking at your platform and it looks like you want to make uh, some more jobs for people and you want to have clean water. So you got my vote. Yeah. They will fully be like fair about it. And they even, I spoke at a Republican event and they were very fair to me and very nice. When I spoke at a Democrat event, when I brought up my opponent, uh, something fishy she did, I brought up and they all literally freaked out and started throwing things at me. Like, <laughs> my god that's yeah. insane like and it's just i think it's just a different mindset yeah and i'm not saying like republicans are nice and democrats aren't i'm saying like i think in an area that's like heavily democrat the gop party is going to be like they're used to losing and having yeah. to like actually listen to people talk yeah um and and the and the democrats are i mean they're in control of everything so yeah. they are used to you know maneuvering power to silence people right yeah, the 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 anarcho de democrat anarcho liberalism is a very like key thing here in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know if it's as common everywhere else, um, but the kind oh, of it seems really bad there. Yeah, it's it's the merging of kind of the uh, you know counter quote unquote counterculture, yeah. yeah, radical liberal frame with um, the Democratic Party apparatus. And, and I know New York is kind of the same thing. Um, you know, the Democratic Party is putting out like GoFundMes that they brand as mutual aid. You know, they, it, it's like. Well, that is, uh, the, the, the mutual aid is that now. That is yeah. what right. mutual aid, like, that's the funny thing now, like Fox will say something like kind of vague and provocative about mutual aid on Twitter and no, I would never will get mad say about something. It. Like... Well, it's not, inherently it's on Twitter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, uh, <laughs> but like people will get so mad about like gatekeeping the definition of mutual aid as this like from a text in the 1800s. Like mutual aid functionally is not that. Mutual aid is your democratically elected leader tweeting out a GoFundMe or doing a Twitch fundraiser 
that's mutual aid. Right. Well, that's politics now. It's yeah. it's you do the work, you know, you're tweeting, you're tweeting out, you're saying Medicare for all. That's, that's it. it. That's the tweet. <laughs> that's the tweet. And that's all you get. Yeah. Or the thing that she did the other day with uh what was it? Like student, she put it she put that. out yeah, she yeah. put out that. And it's video like, saying, like now is the now time, is the time. That we need to get busy. Now's the time we need to fight, and it's like you, you, you. like zoom over the camera. She didn't say to the, we, she every... said you. I yeah, just want you. to acknowledge that she's very brave in uh, <laughs> live streaming while drunk. We're <laughs> <laughs> in like Salazar, great examples of the sort of uh, anarcho-liberal, uh, like new wave of anarchists, where they run for office and all that kind of stuff, but they don't actually vote or like do any sort of representative democracy. It's all about. Well, like influencing yeah it, well it's it's all cultural because the the, the political has already been foreclosed and that's what yeah. the anarcho part of it is, is there's already sort of like an, an acknowledgement of the capitalist realist kind of ideology that says like there's nothing possible within the political even if you're running as a political figure like you you have to then operate like you get into that position and then just operate on the cultural terrain yeah um, because the, that's the nothing... theory of change to be yeah to be fair to them like the most charitable i can be is that that's their theory of change that they right. want they want to get the biggest possible platform and then they think that they're going to raise people's consciousness yes. by pointing out the the problems every step every chance they get uh problems as they see them and they yeah, think that like the liberal hypocrisy yeah. like oh a liberal's being a hypocrite like okay but the yeah, thing is, like, like they're running for office as if it's like getting elected gives you a talk show or something. On yeah, major well, it does. TV <laughs> I, it like, does I mean, in a what, way. But what, what I'm saying is, like, why not just spend all that money, like, creating a brand on like a Twitch stream or something? It's like, almost like that's exactly what running for office is. It's almost like it's just about it's just making a brand. A, a brand and a documentary. <laughs> yeah right well, there is the funny thing about aoc having that documentary like ready to go yeah right and i the thing with mike Ravel is another part of that mm. which we were almost talking about a minute ago mm, yeah the the i'm trying to do these like clever segues here but... uh, well i was gonna say too that uh the what was i gonna say oh uh jamal bowman too like he does this thing now where like he got elected and pretty much like he just has a platform now where no matter what the news of the day is it's evidence of systemic racism and it's like yeah okay like that yes there is like there are a lot of like things that are like fucked up for like different groups of people but you're a congressman now and like they, they don't wield power that's the thing they yeah. fail to recognize that uh, uh wielding power is that you have power as someone yeah. who is elected to office and then you use it to yeah. do things that are good. They think wielding power is like a live stream. Or yeah, something. I don't know if they even have power though. Like that's that's part of the problem. That's a, they, they do. Like AOC, they, if she really wanted to do something, she could literally go. She had a struggle session for an hour in Congress and cried about almost dying. But, like, thing she, that, but she we could spend we that say, time pushing for Medicare for all if she wanted to, but she doesn't want to. Right. But I'm what I'm saying is like she does. She doesn't have power in that like. She can't just wave a magic wand. Yeah, it's not it's not a decision she could make where she's like, I'm making this. I don't know. No, like, but be, she, could, she could cause hell. She could yeah, she could way. drag her feet and raise hell and yeah. make everybody's life annoying. 
but she right. doesn't want to make everybody's life annoying. She wants to be everyone's friend. Right. And that's the thing. Like if you, if you, yeah, like you might not get reelected and that's the difference, you know, like if you go in there as like a, you know, you're, you're setting yourself on fire basically. And you're going in there to, um, you know, to show the, the contradictions in the system and to push, you know, that's, that's the way that a, a socialist would use um, an electoral line is to exactly. point out the contradictions in the bourgeois is, democracy, put forth a plan for the working class that the working class can get behind. You're building class consciousness, you're, you're, you're holding power, and then you're using it to push against, you know, at every opportunity. But when you're inside the Democratic Party, you just can't do that. Well, it seems like they are they are pointing out the contra- some contradictions a lot. They're pointing like they they're taking a lot of opportunities to point out like cultural cultural war contradictions because those right. aren't but never the actual contradictions. contradictions. Yeah, right. but those it's all aren't about the actual risk. contradictions because it's all about risk to themselves and their career. AOC could go in front of Congress and instead of holding a, a struggle session, like what Mike Gravel did in 1971, he took the Pentagon Papers. He decided to call a hearing. And he sat there for 12 hours reading the Pentagon Papers into public record so that it was available to the press. So he risked losing his seat in the Senate to make a huge change. So you could argue, well, that's the thing. If someone were to do that today, they would read like some bullshit thing into public record and like make a struggle session out of it and like stream it on Twitch. I can't even imagine someone doing that today. I, like I, I feel like the political economy. Has well, so he could so have been much. he yeah. could have been murdered. Like he could have right. been like taken out by the CIA or whatever. Right. Because it was 1971. It was still like you know, pretty big, in terms of like the the height of the Vietnam War. It wasn't over yet. So, but that's the thing. Now that's, they've now they've outsourced all the the spook work to all these uh, these these radlins that do it pro bono. So they don't need to get their hands dirty because yeah. they can just they can just uh, you know have some some psychotic people online do the work for free yeah that's the thing i don't think these like um the squad type people or whatever are ever gonna actually risk anything because it's just a job it's like a it's a uh the career isn't that they're in congress it's that they're like a social media star so that's what that's what they don't want to risk is losing that career so the career has become more important than making change and it's just almost like a pessimism. Like they just know they can't get anything done. You guys want to talk about Mike Gravel? <laughs> yeah, give us the dirt on the on the Gravel teens. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> I kind of, um, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I'm always kind of looking for like a thing just to do on like the side, like political or whatever. So like sometimes it's just a hobby, like not even political. And that's kind of how I got pulled into the Gravel thing was that the teens or somebody were posting on Twitter about it looking for help with the campaign and I was just fresh off my campaign this is before Johnny's campaign and that's kind of how I got pulled into that but it's a similar thing where like I don't understand what they were actually trying to achieve because like early on they were talking about like getting donations to meet the DNC's threshold for getting into the debate it was like so many dollars or something so many donors but they weren't like actually they were using my PO box for the campaign they weren't even like cashing the checks um, and then like they were posting some things that made no sense in terms of like what Mike Gravel actually believes in, like, uh, being critical of, um, like WikiLeaks and stuff like that, which Mike Gravel is like a huge fan of. Yeah. 
so like it's like a lot of um i think people want to kind of take that as like a brand and like use it as like a brand for their character for like a show or something almost do you think it's just because they were young and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing or do you think it's because all along it was just sort of a like a fun branding exercise for them i think that's the thing to assume that they don't know what they're doing is to say like they're ignorant not to say like they're dumb or stupid but like they're inexperienced but, but they're like they're like 18 years old, right? They're yeah, like, but they clearly they are either what they're being doing. coached. Right. They're either being coached or they have learned huh. whatever it is they're doing, like this marketing thing. Uh it's like a thing to do. I mean, like, and yeah. and like they had fun while doing it, but also like well, they're still doing themselves in the career category. And like they can point to it for a resume. I mean, like it's multifaceted. Well, and they're young and they're so they're like they're rich and they're connected too. They live. That's the they're, thing. They're connected. I think yeah. and that's the thing they've spun it off into this Gravel Institute. Yeah. Which is just trying to be like a left Prager you. Yeah. So they've got like professional animators now and they've got like H. John Benjamin doing voiceover work. And yeah. like, there's money here. And yeah. There's connections. Like I could try for weeks to try to get H. John Benjamin to do a voiceover for, and he'd never do it. Right. Who are these right. kids where they can just get that guy to do it? Oh, exactly like there's something there and it's not mike Gravel. like i can guarantee you mike Gravel didn't pull strings yeah so it's it yep. almost felt to me like it was this tailor-made thing and they just picked a random old guy who had some clout mm. well you know it, it's something where like every every campaign cycle and this is because electoral politics are a complete construct there are clever people that find that are able to game the system and find inefficiencies in the market and the Gravel teens were one of them. Uh, Josh Collins was another one where like, has nothing to do with w- actually winning the election, but it's about finding these clever things that are like- You could, you could raise $300,000 and buy yourself I, I, computers. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a market- yeah, His was a lot, actually, I think a lot more nefarious than- uh, um, This is even weirder. Gravel I mean, yeah. yeah. Not to but, knock him as a person, but like I looked into it even more after the fact and like his whole thing was socialist trucker, but like- I could not find a record of him owning a truck or having a, hmm. a commercial driver's license anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, uh, it's all like, whether it's like experiments that they're like actively part of, or it's just like them finding inefficiencies that later get exploited by like more well-connected, well-resourced like advertisers people. or something. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, every it's bit like, of this is like a whole market. Like there's, there's like the, a guy that built a career off of, posting like sir this is not a wendy's yeah. on the like trump comment section <laughs> right? Like, he, right yeah like it's they, like amplifying people... every little aspect of yeah. anything political or social well like i mean just the idea like randy i mean two people that come to mind are like randy bryce in uh yep. minnesota and yeah. also um who was that woman that was running against mitch mcconnell that like raised a shitload oh, of money uh, mcgrath yeah. McGrath, yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, like these are people that like it, they're just more they're more successful, more like establishment versions of Josh Collins, where it's like Randy Bryce. I know instantly. Oh, the the construction guy, and then McGrath. Oh, the fighter pilot who's running against Mitch McConnell, and Randy Bryce is running against uh, Paul Ryan, and like that's all I know about them. And I'm like, and, that, and I should donate to them. And Josh Collins was like the le- the leftist version. 
yeah his leftism was like his brand but what's crazy is like how unorganized and like totally chaotic his campaign was it was literally teenagers on discord like crowdsourcing their platform which included like banning homework and banning guns yeah which has nothing to do with socialism at all and then but there's another one uh do you remember paula jean swearingen vaguely she ran a uh, for senate in west virginia against um mitch was it mitch mccall no it wasn't mitch mccall mansion joe mansion. joe mansion thank you um but the reason she got famous was this like quote unquote viral moment where she ran into Bernie after uh, a campaign rally and cried with him. Right. Like hugged her. Yeah. But that whole thing was staged because like he had already set up like a pack and everything and already had brand new Congress on board with her and like our revolution was on board with her. Like basically they staged this whole like viral moment to like launch her uh, campaign. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all a construct and, uh, these people all find like that's what the Gravel teens they found like the fact that they were teens was the campaign that was like the well, that's a, the crazy part is like though I the the work I did with them they same thing they crowdsourced the majority of the work like the platform I helped write a lot of it with another guy it wasn't the teens writing it the website I helped right design and code the website with another guy the teens didn't do it right but that didn't make it into the story is the story no the not at all really, that, yeah. that's the thing the, the yeah. documentary that was like pre-planned months in advance called kingmakers that they randomly came out with like a week after the campaign was over they'd been filming the whole time yeah not mentioning it to any of us so it's just super weird it's like so uh, it's like multiple there's a meta there's there's at every level there's somebody creating a meta that allows them to profit off of the level below yeah, it well that's what i'm saying it's like yeah. it's as if they were like they saw bernie and they're like what if we found an old guy and it can be any old guy he's just going to be someone who like was kind of cool and has a history and we'll have this like turnkey solution campaign and it will be the like anti-establishment turnkey solution and i think they were trying to almost like vector that into a business model to say like we can make you the next Bernie, yeah. Well, and they they did it a little bit. They they tried that on uh, Merkley. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the same thing. They gave Mark, him like really yeah. cool commercials. That yeah, were, like, they like he's just art. kind of northeast liberal, you know, just pretty pretty typical kind of guy. And they they made him like they made like vaporwave videos. Well, the guy yeah. who made those videos was the guy who uh, uh, same guy. He worked with Bernie. It's all the same people when you get down to it and you like dig real deep. It's the same group of people. They're all from like New York or DC and they all have like a background in media and connections in media. Like the gravel teens are like, their parents are all connected with media. So it's like, that's, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, it makes you sound like conspiracy weirdo, but like, it's as if it's all like, um, it's like that uh, uh, Black Mirror episode where they get the cartoon to run for prime minister or whatever. And it's just like a stand-in. Like it's a fucking cartoon. Yeah. It could be anything. And it's literally yeah. a cartoon in that episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, it reminds me of those like those deep fake videos where um, they have like nine faces on the screen at the same time. And they're all saying, this, they're all singing the same song and making the same like face gestures. Yeah. And like ultimately that like electoral politics is this mediating marketplace yeah, or, or like filter. The, 
where like you just run you just run di- like different avatars through it but they're all just watching the script yeah but yeah. they all just uh tore down tomato town uh, yeah. stuff, but well there's that but there's the also Fortnite like, video yeah the famous video from uh that michael moore documentary where he showed all the local news people reading the exact same script yeah but they're all supposed to be doing local news so why are they all reading the same script because the like same four or five companies own all the local news companies yeah and they're all getting their copy from the same thing so yeah it's just like it's like politics electoral politics a lot of these politicians are just avatars for some interest somewhere which is yeah. true. And, like a well, lot and Twitter, Twitter accounts now kind of serve the same function too. So yeah. when you go down at a, like a more micro level, like there's certain like kind of like Twitter brands that serve the same ideological state apparatus function where they're like serving to um, reinforce a like an ideological boundary. Well, yeah, like and, Bro- Brooklyn Dad Defiant, right? Didn't it just come out that it, he... Uh... He's paid by the Democrats. Yeah. What's crazy about him, I posted about this and no one believed me. The reason he started out as his whole like defiant brand was him trying to build a brand around like men's rights because he was a divorced <laughs> dad who <laughs> was refusing to pay his child support. Oh. He was like defying a court order. <laughs> That's I feel like that was like, awesome. I was like, so uh... he's like literally like this piece of shit, like <laughs> divorced dad who won't support his kids. And he's like, somehow they're like, you're our guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's morphed Felix into this. From like five years ago. Was yeah, like, it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, it's almost like a joke. It's like, yeah. really, that's your guy? That's your anti-Trump guy? The guy who won't support his kids? Cool. Oh my God. I wonder if that's where the bit came from, was like this guy who was like... Everything, everything's yeah. a come down bit. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was a shop thing. Thought, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, that's the thing. That's uh, a lot of these people who become like characters or like players in this, this, this like play of like Democrat ngo blah 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 they tend to be like the shittiest people who like have a dark past or like a criminal record because they will do anything and say anything so they don't they have like no they have no rock bottom they don't care yeah it's funny because like right uh i share your concern that like oh if when you say the word cia or you say like whatever uh people are like oh you do Oh, is the CIA in the room with us right now? Like, yeah, I don't mean like you don't, you don't literally mean that. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, some, it's just like some uh, people on some level collaborate. Some other people are downstream from that, and then like other people like absorb these ideas because they're in the discourse. They're like, right, in academia, they're floating for, out there. Ac- exactly, you're in and academia. People become true believers, yeah. and then yep. they reproduce it and they riff on it, and it's a meme. Well, you know, it's and that's, memes evolve, right? And that ties back to what I was saying at the very beginning, where I was like. This is why we don't care about having like a giant, you know, audience or whatever, because it's like by the time you get to that point, you are being useful to those those things, whether you're you know it or not. You know, you're you're, you've been pulled into that stream. And I'm sure a lot of these people like don't even realize it. Yeah. That's why it works, because most people don't realize they think that they're the ones who are in the driver's seat doing making all these choices and doing the right thing and we're winning you guys we're doing mutual aid and we are organizing (laughs) and we are doing the work we're doing the work yeah yeah. someone complained because i said tucker carlson pushes the total like racist kind of the great replacement style theory which is like that european thing when they were having all that immigration that like they're there's a conspiracy to replace all the like white nordic workers with like black african workers yeah 
which wasn't, it was just crazy. It's a crazy racist theory. But I had pointed out like Tucker Carlson, when he talks about immigration issues and people are like, whoa, he's so cool. He's so populist. He's almost like a socialist, but he's not talking about like um, tech workers and like uh, H2B visas and like Microsoft and Amazon bringing people in from like uh, India and Asia where like the wages are lower, but like they have the same education. He talks about like migrant farm workers, like, uh, or I'm sorry, I mixed up the number, it's H1B visa. He talks about H2B visas, which are like migrant workers, which we've lost those jobs already for like 30, 40 years. So it's totally like a signal. Yeah. But when you talk about it, you sound like a crazy person because it's like, you're almost like playing into the whole like race thing. Yeah. The Tucker kind of guy is almost like, he's like a an heir to like a fortune for like the Swanson food company like his interests lie in his audience so when you even if you aren't influenced by like the CIA for example or the State Department or like State Department narratives or like uh, you know pro-America narratives or whatever you want to call it you're still going to be influenced by your audience because you want to keep that audience and keep the money rolling in yep so you end up almost like digging yourself into a hole when you get a huge audience because you're going to have an audience that primarily is like in Tucker's case, like older people who believe in a certain set of ideas. And if you start sharing ideas that counter those ideas, they'll start watching a different show yep. and you lose your audience and you lose your show. Yep. So the perfect kind of example of that dynamic would be like Alex Jones. Exactly. Um, he, he, almost, chased, he becomes like chased, a character. Yeah. Yeah. He chased, um, you know, what the audience wanted to hear, you know, to the nth degree, you know, that is as far as, as far as humanly possible. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, Alex Jones was one of those kind of useful figures for those in power because, you know, he upped the, the noise on all all things conspiracy so much that if you have any kind of like you, know, you can speak about like things that are well documented to have occurred and people will be like oh you sound like alex jones it's like exactly. no, I'm, I'm reading i'm reading documents about what occurred project paperclip you know mk ultra you know you go into these these very real very like well-documented things that occurred and you know people just don't want to hear it now it's like it's like oh that's just conspiracy that's just nonsense it's just because the the discourse is so within the present moment just controlled um that they just can't um just can't entangle those two things like you can't they've heard alex jones saying it so therefore it must be crazy Right, which I've always said was like his his purpose was to to, to make things, um, to, yeah yeah to like tie a, to tie noise to the signal, you know. He's um, part of like Operation Mindfuck, which was to make conspiracy theories all sound insane. Yeah, by making insane conspiracy theories uh, on an equal level as the real ones. So, like you know, Illuminati stuff and frogs turning gay, but also talking about like you know, the Gulf of Tonkin and all that kind of stuff that actually happened. Yeah. Like you end up associating all the real stuff with the crazy stuff and just, it's all crazy. Yeah. And it's so like people that actually, you know, have some kind of like historically based critique of power, um, 
then like get associated as these kind of like William Cooper, you know, uh, beyond behold the pale horse conspiracy theory nonsense. Yeah. It's interesting. It's all just like theater. It's all audiences. It's all narrative. It's all just, we're all just sort of stuck in this um, like, you know, electoralism, the these candidates, it's all just, it's not even real. It's like we were talking about that one candidate, the you know, or a few of them who were made to look like just your average person who's just running for office, but really they were just, it was a, it was a manufactured spectacle. They were just, you know. Well, all of it, like you have to present your best self or whatever. Like even when I ran for office, I wasn't out there saying like what I actually believe a hundred percent. I was saying like what I knew people would actually be willing to vote for. Right. I think that really annoyed a lot of other socialists, like yeah. uh, some other socialist parties in the area were like, you're not coming out and telling people when you do your um, panels that you're like a socialist and that you want to do this and this and this. And I'm like, well, yeah, because they won't vote for that. Yeah. They don't want to hear socialism. They want to hear like clean water. Or it's also like not a com- topic conversation. You know, like right. we're not talking about that right now. So right. I don't but, need, I, but I think there's I a difference. Front load all of that stuff. Right, right, right. You know, I think there's mean? a difference there. Like there's you mean, a difference. You mean you want to just talk load. about substance over like that's what just... I'm saying. <laughs> they they want to front load all of their like whether it's their pronouns or their lived experience or whatever, and yeah. no substance. It's all about their personality and their backstory and whatever. And as a character, it's like a character building thing. Yeah. For me, I was like, who cares who I am? I want to talk about these ideas that could like maybe improve something. Right. So many people were getting pissed off. Like, well, where did you grow up? Where are you actually from? You're not from here. Are you a carpet bagger? And it's mm-hmm. like, they'd almost rather have the character. They like, like the story. They, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. want to have a beer with somebody rather yeah. than have some good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. We're all like conditioned now to enjoy the theta. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's almost like we don't, um, you know, our, our, the only culture that we have now is politics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like this, you know, so it is, it is our theater. It's our theater. It's our, you know, it's, it's our, our polis and it's our Coliseum all in one. Yeah. You know, and we... You've been listening to the Space Commune podcast. Today we had on Andrew Saturn and Johnny Mead. And those guys have their own podcast called Socialism Train. So go check that out.